Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Aliza Kelly, and what a treat. Just a moment ago, I was asked for my time, date, and location of birth, and that is a real mindfuck for me because I I don't remember the last time somebody asked me that. I'm always asking everybody else. Um, but I am here with Erin Claire Jones, who is a human design guide and leadership coach, and she has some cool techniques that I don't know anything about, but I get asked about all the time. So I'm sure this is going to be a really interesting episode for everybody. I'm sure a lot of our listeners even know more about human design than I do. Um, So Erin, thank you so much for being here. And I can't wait to hear about all that you do and how you started doing all the things you do. So if you wouldn't mind telling us your story. Of course. So I work with a system called human design. So different than astrology. We were laughing before that everyone assumes I know astrology and she knows human yeah. design. Um, but human design is a system that gives us our energetic DNA. The idea is that it helps us understand how we're meant to make decisions, communicate, work within teams, cultivate relationships, all the things. And for context, there are about 2 billion different configurations. So everybody's pretty unique. Whoa! And it just kind of gives us our blueprint for just like success and operating in a way that's authentic to us. Um, and so that wasn't really my plan in terms of a career. I think it's hard to really have a plan, but I um, met somebody in 2015 at a gathering in New York in the Lower East Side, and he looked at my human design chart on his phone and just started telling me all this stuff about myself that felt so intuitive and felt so innate, but also felt like stuff I'd never really allowed myself to step into. And just like through a crazy sequence of events, he invited me to work with him and we ended up building a company together. And he just like really exposed me to the magic of human design, not only in supporting us on an individual level and just kind of connecting and operating more in alignment in our careers and lives, but also on the team level of like really kind of engineering teams based on human design. And I came from a background of startups and working with a lot of teams and just feeling a bit frustrated that these were amazing people with amazing missions, but they just didn't really know how to work together. And so I think my discovery of human design was so much like, oh my God, this is a system that could actually be so useful in teams and companies. And like, even though it comes from the stars, it's so accessible and grounded and simple that it's going to really um, I think, have an impact on those people. So it's been a wild journey. I, I launched my own practice at the beginning of 2018. Um, and human design has kind of taken off in a big way. I'm sure as you've seen and been hearing and been asked more questions about it, but people just seem very ready for it. So it's been so cool to watch it all happen. So I am in a very humbled position right now where this is a real notable experience for mm-hmm. me because I, here I am, I've been barreling through working as an astrologer or with astrology for the past seven years. And I've become so jaded to like when people ask what is astrology, I'm like, oh, bitch. okay, here we go. But I feel like I am now that Mm. sort of just uh, fresh, unexposed, curious, uh, not even skeptical, but just sort of like, I, I, I want to know about how this all gets structured and what it means and how it's calculated. So what is human design? Mm-hmm. The idea is that it's a quantum system. So what I mean by that is it draws from a lot of different systems. So it does pull from astrology. It pulls from the chakra system, the Kabbalah, the I Ching, quantum physics, genetics, biochemistry, all that kind of give us just like this like master understanding of like our own blueprint and way of operating. And so it is based exactly like astrology on your exact time, date and place of birth. And so the idea is that it doesn't, we evolve and express ourselves differently over life, but these are kind of the things that we can rely on in terms of like how to make decisions, how to like know whether an opportunity is right for us, like which teams we work best in. So that's kind of like the information it gives. And so it's often a little bit helpful to hear about it because it just seems a little bit theoretical up high. Um, 
but yeah, that, that's the basis of it. And like I said, there are kind of five different types, highest level, and then there are two billion different configurations. But like, for example, the most important things you would want to know in your human design is like, what is your type? Similar to like, what is your sun sign? You know, then like, how are you designed to make decisions? How are you meant to create opportunities for yourself? Like, how are you here to manifest your purpose? Like, what kind of teams are you going to work best in? And so those are kind of like the core pieces that you want to start with. Uh, do you mind if we do some like human design to astrology experiment of course because I feel like maybe that will help that will help allow me to really understand how you know compare and contrast these two different modalities and then also for our listeners um, to also see how this can translate so you pull you pulled up my human design chart is there an app that you use to pull it up I just use a website. So there's one on my website, erinclairjones.com slash okay, lookup, cool. but there are lots up there. Cool. Yeah. So you pulled up on your website um, based on my time, date, and location of birth. Mm -hmm. um, and what does it what does it say? So it says you're a manifesting generator. Have you looked it up at all before? Like once. Once. And you're probably like, what does this mean? Um, okay. So I'm a manifesting generator. And what does that mean? And like, what are the other options it could have be? So there are five different types. So there are manifesting generators, generators, projectors, reflectors, and manifestors. And so manifesting generators and generators make up about 70% of the population. These are the majority. And just to give you like a super quick taste, like these are the people that have like the energy and the life force to just like build and create and make things happen. Like especially as a manifesting generator, like you're not really designed to do just one thing at once. You're definitely meant to have your energy in a lot of things and have this like amazing kind of creative magnetic energy you bring. But like, it's just all about pivoting when the energy is no longer there for something and kind of just trusting where your energy is taking you. So what's the difference between a manifesting generator and a generator? So manifesting generators, again, they kind of like have need a lot of stimulus at once and they often do a lot of things. These are the people that are like, I'm an astrologist, I'm a lawyer, I'm a mom, I own a dance studio. It's just like there's no end to what they can do. And with generators, it's more about focusing on one thing and then moving on to the next. And they're really good at like mastering the process and going very deep into it. Whereas manifesting generators often like really need support in terms of like handling like the more mundane step by step detail piece because they're here to kind of just be in their like powerful creative flow got it and then you said that and then what, what are projectors. the other ones so then we have projectors manifestors and reflectors and those are 30 percent all together all together so projectors are about 20 percent manifestors about eight or nine and reflectors one percent wow okay so what's the story with with these three so manifestors are the ones that are here to just like initiate and get things started they're the ones that are here to just like make things happen, do things on their own terms. You might have a little bit of this just because the manifesting generator, but basically do things on their own terms in their own way. They just need like freedom and autonomy and control. Very independent. Projectors. I'm a projector. We don't tend to have the same consistent access to energy as manifesting generators or generators do. So projectors are often suited to be kind of like leaders and guides and teachers, but very much like their energy ebbs and flows. It's there and then it's not. So their gift is really not in how much they do or how much they create, but just like in the way they see the world. So often operate well as like managers or CEOs or kind of coaches working with people one-on-one. -on -one. And I mean, anyone can literally do anything. It's just doing it in a way that's sustainable for your energy. And so as a projector, knowing my gift was not in my ability to hustle and do was like just such a revelation for me because that was so the way that it operated. So I have a generator business partner. I've always had a manifesting generator or a generator business partner because I know that that kind of levels up in my business in a lot of ways. And then reflectors are basically these powerful mirrors that are very sensitive to their environment and kind of taking in everything in their space and mirroring it back to us and just letting us know how it's all going. And so if you just like observe how reflectors showing up, whether it's a company or community or a team, you really get a sense of the health of that place just based on how that person's showing up. Are there any celebrity reflector examples? 
You know, not a ton. There is some conversation on whether Michael Jackson was <laughs> um, either <laughs> that or a projector. Um, Amma's a, do you know Amma? She's the hugging saint. She's amazing. I got a hug from her once, but she basically goes around the world hugging millions of people. And you just have this crazy hug. And then like, I remember just bursting into tears after. Wow. But it, it's just a powerful example because it's like she wanted the somehow has the endurance to do it, but also just like kind of mirrors back to people exactly where they are in such a powerful way. Um, and then Sandra Bullock is also a reflector. And I think it's also a good example because reflectors have such a kind of just malleable identity where they're not really meant to just be one thing. They're kind of going to wake up every day feeling a little bit different based on where they are and who they're with. And so that makes them well suited for acting or performing because they can kind of like take on and just be consumed by this identity of the role. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that's like the, the that's the first five archetypes. And yes. then and then it goes to the billions. No, no, no. They're, then okay. <laughs> we hard. No, no, no. And then it just keeps getting more and more specific. So then they're like every type will have, um, which we didn't talk about, will have a strategy, which is basically how they're meant to engage with life. And then after that is like how they're meant to make decisions. Okay. So it's the type and then there's the strategy. And how many different strategy options are there? So that's corresponding to your type. So there are just four different strategies. Okay. Yeah. And because generators and manifesting generators have the same one. Each of the five has their own strategy. Strategy. Correct. So now we have... 20 different options for those no sorry each type has their own strategy so generators and manifesting generators have one strategy uh okay. then manifestors got then it, reflectors, got it. so four got it yeah so what are the different strategies so basically for manifesting generators and generators their strategy is to allow life to come to them so rather than kind of chase after things and try to make it happen it's basically just like trusting your magnetism and like seeing what comes up in your world and paying attention to what where your gut is taking you um and so this is opposite of what a lot of people have been operating of like i've got to go initiate and make it happen this is very much like it's all coming to me and i've got to just listen to my gut to see where my energy wants to go um you don't need an invitation you just need something in your world to kind of trigger that gut response and let you know you have the energy for it makes sense yes projectors are really here to kind of wait to be recognized and invited in. So I'm here to like have somebody see me, recognize me, invite me in to share my thing. I don't need an invitation when it comes to like studying a new thing, but like working with somebody, dating with someone, moving in with someone like need an invitation, which is like so not the way I was operating before I discovered the system. And it's been so cool to build a system on that just like foundation and just being like, how can I make myself available and visible so the right people can invite me in? Manifestors are here to initiate. They're here to make the first move as soon as they have that urge to go do it. They also need to inform. So, so much of their strategies around communicating. So once they've decided to do something, making sure they let everyone know what they're going to do before they do it. And then for reflectors, they also need this kind of sense of recognition and invitation. But what's very unique about them is they also need to give themselves like a full 30 days before they commit to specifically a big... 30 days. Ideas like a full lunar cycle. So like 28 to 30 days, like it might sometimes be multiple cycles, you know, sometimes shorter. I know that's not always feasible, but they just like need this like period of time to kind of fully sample all the different options before they commit. Because they have this very interesting experience where like over the course of a month, they're going to have periods where they feel like a generator, like a manifesting generator, like a manifestor, like a projector. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like experiencing from all the different angles to know it's really right. Mm -hmm. And then what is the, the next layer? Of the that? next layer is authority. Ooh. And so that my Capricorn rising stands. <laughs> <laughs> and so that basically is how you're meant to make decisions. And so for you and I, we have the same one, even though we're different types. So we're what we call emotional decision makers, which are about 50% of the population. And these are basically people that are- I hate being so normal. I know, but it's just the first piece. I have, so <laughs> I have so many people come, they're like, oh God, it's such a big percentage. But like, there's just so much. And like our uniqueness is just like kind of revealed as we like look at all the things. And also like, you know, I work with a lot of twins. It's like, they might have a similar design, but the way they express it is so different. Totally. You know what I mean? Like 
the fact is like you're meant to have this amazing like magnetic creative energy to like build and create you're gonna choose where it goes and like you're meant to like allow it all to come to you and the emotional piece is that you're not meant to make decisions in the moment so it's really good like you're gonna have a really strong gut response and you should use it for the small decisions but for those big decisions it's really healthy to sleep on things because you're kind of always riding this emotional wave according to your design and the most important thing is to not make decisions on the high or the low of the emotional wave but give yourself time to get clear and kind of make a decision from like a very cool, calm, just like emotionally neutral place. I have found that to be very true. Yeah. And I think that often there's such pressure to be impulsive and spontaneous, but like you and I aren't totally meant to be that. And it's just because if you're on an emotional high, you might say yes to everything and then regret it the next day, Mm -hmm. you know, for the big decisions. You also have a very strong gut response, which you're meant to use for the small ones. I don't have that gut response in my design. And then there's some people that are called sacral decision makers, which means they're meant to use kind of just their gut response in the moment. It's like visceral feeling in their belly. And so for you, like that's true for the small decisions, but not for the big ones. For some people, it's just for every decision. As soon as they get that full body response, go for it. One thing I'll just like clarify here is that none of the ways that we make decisions are meant to come from our minds of just like making a pro con list or trying to rationalize it. It's all about kind of tapping into this just innate knowing in our body because like while our minds are powerful they can basically convince us us out of in or out of any decision and so they're not always just like as reliable to kind of decide things with um there are people called splenic decision makers which is all around their intuition which is different than the gut response how would you differentiate those intuition is just like a quiet knowing it's just like a resonance it's like tingles that you feel or just like it's just this thought or knowing that comes out of nowhere and then disappears just as quickly whereas the gut response is just like this visceral feeling in your belly Um, I just want to check on your intuitive piece. So that's a big one. So I think for you, it's like you have a really strong intuition. You have a really strong gut response. It's not like these things aren't present within you, but the emotional piece is just the way to kind of confirm that they're actually the right thing for you. Mm -hmm. Do you hear that distinction? Do you understand that? I think I do. Yeah. But if you want to re-clarify it, I would love that too. Yeah. So I think the like intuition is like not something you can really predict. It's like you're walking down the street and you just like get this hit that you should call somebody or go to this party or whatever it is. And like, it disappears. Your work is like to just like for these people to just be spontaneous and impulsive and trust it. Whereas the gut response is just like a feeling in your belly. Like if I ask you a question, like, would you like to like, you know, go on a walk today or would you like to go to a movie? Like you're just gonna get a feeling like, yeah, no, it's just like this like expansion your body has towards something or kind of like a contraction away. So you can actually trigger that gut response by asking people very specific questions that kind of help them like connect to what it is for them. So in the human design configuration I have, it says, how does it say I should work with both of, or is there one I should work with over the other? So it basically, no, they both are present within you. I think that like you have a really strong intuition. You have a really strong gut response, but for the big decisions, take your time. I would say for the small decisions, trust your gut. Ooh, okay. Your intuition is going to play a role for sure, but the gut is probably going to be a bit more reliable for you. Cool. Yeah. And then there's some people that are meant to verbally process, just talk things out and the clarity, just like their knowing comes out when they're like actually give voice to it. So just like surrounding themselves by people that they trust and letting themselves talk. Some people are meant to be very selfish in their decision making in like a very positive way. These people are called ego decision makers where it's like really asking themselves like, do I really have the willpower and the ego or the willpower and the fortitude to do this thing? And kind of only making decisions that like truly take care of them, that Mm -hmm. they feel like they're really receiving something in exchange. Um, Some people, it's all about being in the right environment, in the right space, and then talking things out. And then for those reflectors, giving themselves up full 28 to 30 days. Just reflectors are just like you you guys are very <laughs> magical special people so, you do things a little different you do things a little different like so much and all of us is just like kind of honoring the fact that we're going to operate differently than the rest of the people around us but i think with reflectors especially like it's just a different way of being you know especially for them and i always am like wondering whether or not the 30 piece will resonate with them because it feels so foreign to me 
but every I did a session with a reflector yesterday and they're always like 100% and they're like I often need like three cycles you know and like again that's not always feasible but they just like people seem to like understand this on a cellular level when, right. in a way that I can't always predict can I see what my chart looks like of course so I'm looking at my chart now and it looks crazy like a <laughs> triangle pyramid oh it's me it's a body it's a body it's a body with a triangle but it's also it looks kind of like the Kabbalah tree yep and inside of it and there's a diamond in the middle and then there's triangles and squares it looks like like a little intimidating so intimidating (laughs) um but then i also look at the side of this and i see all of these planets Mm -hmm. glyphs there's a red list and a blue list on either side of this triangle kabbalah body and (laughs) they it starts with the sun and then there's the earth and then there's moon north node south node mercury venus mars jupiter saturn uranus neptune pluto on either side so what are these two different uh and and the numbers i should note on these they don't have signs associated with them and the numbers on the left and the right column are different um and some of them have arrows pointing up and some of them have arrows pointing down. And then there's a few that have stars. What is all of this? Mm. <laughs> I This is so cool because, again, like I I am so in your position so frequently when totally. someone looks at a chart and they're like, what is this wackadackish symbol thing? But I this is totally so foreign fun to though, me. Right? So fun, though, right? So fun. So I think that like you you said it so well is like you can see kind of the Kabbalah tree of life in the what we call channels in between. I think the first thing that I would, I would note is that if you look at your human design chart, you will see it's in the shape of a body. And there are basically nine different shapes, geometric shapes, triangles, you know, diamonds, squares, all the things. And so these are basically corresponding to the chakras. But the idea is that we have nine of them. So they're each kind of different energy centers in our body that just step, represent different functions. So it's like our emotions, our identity, like our inspiration, like our stress, all the things. And the idea is that when those centers are colored in in your design, that's those are the areas in your life where you're really kind of drawing your energy from. That's the things that are like reliable for you. So like for you, Got it's it. your gut, your intuition, your emotions. These things that are always operating. The areas that are white, so for you, it's going to be the top two centers. Those are the areas where you're the most sensitive to kind of taking in other people's energy and often the areas where you can kind of get the most taken off track. Mm. And so for an example for you is that you have such an amazing openness to kind of be like so intuitive and just like open to like awareness and ideas coming from all directions but also there might be a tendency sometimes to like lose focus or to feel like a little bit scattered or just like think about or try to resolve stuff that doesn't actually matter mm-hmm. you know and so knowing how to like harness your inspiration and it's not about actually pursuing all the ideas that come to you interesting yeah and so that's a really important piece to look at in human design um and then all the kind of different lines that connect that look like the kabbalah that connect one center to another are just like inherent strengths within you. These are just kind of like natural things that you carry. Like where different centers have flows. Exactly. Exactly. And so like, you know, I mean, you've got a lot, but you've also got like a very creative one. Like you're very much here to be like a creative role model to just kind of like model what it means to be like a self-expressed individual and like really inspire other people to kind of be equally bold and do the same. And just kind of like a very natural leadership quality, although you might not always be interested in being followed, you know? And then like in terms of the red and black, so all the little numbers on the side are just like different qualities within us. And so when the areas are black in our design, it basically things means that there are areas that we are more conscious and aware of. 
Um, and the things that are red are things that we're a little bit more unconscious of. Interesting. And so it doesn't mean that like we won't necessarily see them, but often other people will see them in us before us. And then by kind of like understanding them, we're like, oh yeah, that really is a big part of my design. Um, and you know, and then there are different like meanings with the different planets. That's often not the thing that we go into immediately because it's a little bit confusing for people. It's more like what are the numbers that are like the most important to you? But like, for example, your sun is all around like commitment. Of just like really kind of like committing deeply to a process. And how do you uh, discern that through this? How do, can you see that my son is commitment? So because with these little numbers, so you pointed out the sun right there, the number that you have connected to your son is all around commitment. So w- these numbers are... They all have meaning. Each, and they're decimals too. Yes. So, and they, do they, is it 30 degrees that they go to? So in terms of the number, so it's not actually decimals in that like there are only six variations. It would be like you could either be 29.1, 2, 3, 4, 5, or 6. But is there 28.1, 2, 3, 4, 5, or 6? Yes. So, and does it Every go- number, every possible number has six different variations. Every possible number has six different, and do each of the, and each of the numbers has a different resonance? Has a different meaning, yes. And then each of the decimals has a different Yes, it just like gives more clarity into like how that shows up for you. It's so crazy. So don't get scared. Uh, Not the most important piece, but interesting. So is there a correlation of like low numbers or high numbers? So it basically it's interesting to look at like the quality. Like for example, you have a lot of like twos, and you also have a a lot of fours. You have a lot of threes. So like for example, like the two would mean that like your profile is what we call a two four, and this is based on the decimal numbers. And so there are 12 different profiles just for context. And so the two four would mean that like the two is that you're like a little bit of a natural hermit. It's really good to have time alone to just do your own thing in your own time. And you're very much meant to be like a natural at what you do. Like you're not designed to do things that feel super hard or challenging, but the things that like just come really innate to you. And then you also have a four, which is all around like community and network, which means like all your opportunities are meant to kind of come through your community and your network. So it's all about finding this balance between just like hermit time and also being in community does that resonate with you sure yeah and then but yes all the numbers like all the the amount of each quality you have in your design will say something about your design like you have a lot of threes which means that there's definitely like part of your learning process is very much about just trial and error and like figuring things out as you go and making mistakes and learning learning kind of just like through doing it yourself this is so and then what are the two columns of the left and the right side of the this is where um, there's, as I had said, there's two columns that have all of the different planets and those have these numbers and then the ups and the downs, arrows and the stars. Um, but one is on the left, one is on the right. One is, I guess the left one is the red one. The right yeah. one is the blue one. Yes. I don't want to confuse people too much, but, um, the idea is that like we have kind of a design and a personality. So the idea is that the left, the red is kind of our, we call it in human design without getting too esoteric, just like the soul piece. It's just kind of like the part of our design that like emerges around like three months before we're actually born. And the black piece on the right side is very much like what happens the minute we're born. That's what we call our personality. And so that's again, kind of the things that you maybe are a little bit more unconscious of, but just live in your body Got it. and the things that you are more conscious and aware of, but it's the combination of the two that make up exactly who we are. And so what's so magical about human design is that it not only reveals the things that we are conscious of and aware of our personality, but also all the things that we're unconscious of and all the things that are underneath the surface. And so if you look at kind of the black and red, each of these numbers will correspond to a different part in the chart. And based on what is activated in the chart, that's what kind of lights up your entire design and makes you exactly who you are. So interesting. This is it's so who when did this start? What are the origins of human design? So human design has been around since 1987. 
Um, and there was this guy, he's no longer alive. His name is Ra Uhuruhu. His name was formerly Alan. He lived in Montreal. He was an advertising executive. Um, as far as I know, not down like a super spiritual path. And he ended up going to Ibiza and having a very mystical experience there. Fuck yeah. So he was <laughs> walking home one night and just heard a voice. And the voice was like, it's time to work. And so for basically eight days and eight nights, he channeled the system and then spent the next like, you know, 20 years building it out. And now there are kind of institutions around the world. And it definitely like when I first started sharing human design, it was like so foreign to people. No one had any idea what I was talking about. And people are like really ready for it. But like, that's a very new thing. This was not the case a couple of years ago. And so it still actually feels very new. And so it wasn't a system that came from like us analyzing people and trying to figure them out. It was just like a system that who knows from where, you know, but it's just like, I think for me, especially because I work with a lot of teams, it's just like the information itself is so resonant to people that like that ends up being the thing that matters. Absolutely. I'm sure you experienced that. In yeah, I, um, I find in my practice, obviously, you know, in my one on one sessions with clients, like it's we're it's natal chart based as I continue to metabolize astrology and I, I, as I'm growing up and my practice is growing up, um, my I'm finding myself less and less pulled towards just looking at the chart, more sort of intrigued by the symbol behind things and, you know, why do we even care <laughs> about astrology? You know, like why have we always cared? And this applies to human design or any modality of sort of self-awareness. Like why do we want to become self-aware in the first place? Um, and those big questions are what I'm really interested in right now. Mm -hmm. And unpacking those on this like, you know, as above, so below, which is if I don't have any text by text based tattoos, actually come to think of it. But if I were to get one, it would probably be that as above, so below, because it's it's just I, I'd actually that which is the max the axiom that is the entire center of astrology. But that esoteric principle, I was introduced to it before I was even an astrologer. I was just it made so much sense that whatever is where, you know, whatever exists on one level exists on another. And I'm. Because I feel like I'm sort of my exploration of astrology is becoming more cycle based mm. and less fine tuned and personality and character driven. Yeah. And as I'm writing, I'm in the process of working on my manuscript for my third book. And I'm basically trying to write an astrology book without using any astrology language at all, wow. which is, <laughs> I guess, you know, TBD if the publisher thinks that that's chill. But mm -hmm. uh, I feel like in a lot of ways the point of all of this at least the way that I'm perceiving it today is not you know what these different what it you know the specificities and the uh the unique properties of like each practice whether it's human design or Kabbalah or astrology or whatever it is is but it's like the bigger meaning behind it you know it's like finding a language that actually captures the full experience as opposed to so much of our language uh sort of the, that's societally recognized which is so surface level mm -hmm. um and really just asks us to express ourselves in these very finite terms as if we are the first as if what we're experiencing now has not been informed by the past and is not going to be 
responding to a future. I don't know if I, this might be like actually where I pilot some of my ideas to see if they're like totally too fucking out there for Mm -hmm. me to write a whole book about. But I'm just like so captivated by the idea of why does this all work Mm -hmm. right now? Mm Mm-hmm. What do you? Why do you think it works? <laughs> you why you think it works? Okay, I, I'll go first go because I don't want to put you on the spot. I've been the one like thinking about all of this. So uh, the reason I think it works is because I think astrology is just a mirror of ourself. Yeah, I don't think that there is, you know, I have always sort of questioned like is the moon really doing what she does? Is Saturn really doing what he does? Like do these celestial bodies really have such distinctive roles that they know that they have these roles? Like that kind of, I don't know. It just, it seems a little far-fetched to me, but I have worked with thousands of people and I believe in the power of astrology with every cell of my body. So I'm, and I'm also not like, I don't like to follow things blindly. So I'm like really trying to, put the pieces together and I think that what I've put together is the fact that we as innate humans with these incredible innate cycles have found mirrors of ourselves in the sky and our emotions uh, you know and our menstrual cycles have this amazing 28 day cycle and the moon has a 28 day cycle and it takes us about 29 years to really define our purpose and understand our responsibilities and Saturn has a 29 year orbit Mm -hmm. and we have found the mirrors of what we innately are experiencing reflected in the sky Mm -hmm. which provides us with enough vantage to then understand it on a deeper level with ourselves Mm -hmm. but all of the information already exists within us as beings totally does that make sense this is the first person I've actually I haven't shared this out loud yet I love that it makes so much sense And I also think it's like, so my business partner, who's also my boyfriend, is like a skeptic in the best of ways, but he doesn't follow anything blindly. I'm very much like, oh my God, this is amazing. This works. (laughs) This feels good. Like definitely not blind, but I think he very much has to like understand all the details. And I think it's been so useful having him by my side because I think that like what I'm always reminded of is that like I'm not like trying to share human design to like convince people of anything or to like make them believe something. It's like more than anything, it just like gives people a tool and a common language to like understand what they already know. Yes. And I think at some point we shouldn't need human design. I think right now it just offers us the mirror of like having a stranger reflect back things you innately know about yourself and and probably were operating by when you were very young and now haven't had the permission to step into. Human design just gives you permission. Right. I'm not sitting there talking to people and telling them all this stuff where they're like, ooh, that's so foreign and new. They're like, oh my God, yes. Oh my God, yes. I've been like resisting this my entire life. Like, are you actually telling me it's okay? Right. It's validating. Exactly. And so I think that's what people need. And I think that's what the awareness is. So like, it's so fun to get into all the details because like for people like you and I, we probably really enjoy it. But I think for a lot of people, like they just need that validation. They need that mirror. They need that permission to just like offer it in a way that is unique to them and not in like a one size fits all like I've got to keep up with everyone else Mm -hmm. even though I'm like 50 70 percent of the people I'm just kidding I'm just kidding just the first piece yeah that's that's my Leo son (laughs) um so in and so you said that you do a lot with team building and um with sort of interpersonal dynamics it's interesting that you obviously I mean I guess to support my mirror theory that you're working with interpersonal dynamics and then you have a business partner who happens to be also your romantic partner. So that's like a one-to-one mirror, mm-hmm. microcosm, macrocosm. Totally. Um, how do you, do you go into like corporate settings to do this work? I do. 
I do like a lot of stuff with co-founders and couples, but I also work with a lot of teams. You know, I've done bigger teams. I think like my sweet spot is more like teams of like 10 or so only because like you can just go so deep into like understanding how each person operates. And I think the team stuff is so fun because like when you start to understand how each person like needs to be communicated to, like where their strengths really are, like it's just so empowering because I think where we often get tripped up is like when we just expect someone to be different than what they are, like more similar to us. And so when we understand that, like, you know what I mean? And like in my romantic partnership, like our designs are like polar opposites. Like we are just so radically different. And like if we didn't have a language around it and like I think we probably have been best friends for a long time. So like we probably would have figured it out. But like having a language around like our energetics and like all that stuff, it's so powerful because like we can just kind of call out the things exactly when they're happening. And I think what human design does in general is just like surfaces all the energetics that are underneath the surface that we know intuitively but don't have a language for. Yes. And by having a language, it's just like, oh my God, like we can just like move through these things so much quicker. We can like fully leverage each other. We can probably like be far more productive and efficient and like prosperous as a team once we actually just like know and understand who each of us is. Yes. You know? I, I think that um, I think language is so deeply imperative and we are our our consciousness and our intellect and our emotional, uh, the way that we understand our emotions is only as vast and broad as our languages. Totally. And that really, to me, um, shows the power that we have as species and beings and these energetic creatures, but also the limitations of it when we do have a very limited scope of how we can define an experience and how we can see each other. Um, I, I, because human design is such a amalgamation of so many practices, I'm sure that there's Myers Briggs is also embedded somewhere in there. Um, it's not. I hate Myers Briggs. <laughs> I was, I was. I scared. don't hate it. I don't hate it. I don't hate. Okay, I don't. Yeah, uh, but I'll, we can. Yeah. Okay. It's just I different. Don't hate it, but I really don't like it. <laughs> well, here's the issue. Is like the thing is like Myers Briggs. I've like gone into Enneagram. Like I've always loved these systems, and so like yes, I think neither of us hate it. I think that like. The issue with Myers-Briggs for me is that like I've taken it multiple times. It's always a little bit different. Me too. And it's never been like incredibly actionable for me. And perhaps I haven't gone deep enough. But I just think that like what I love about human design is like how actionable it is. It's not like we often don't need more information. We need to like do stuff with it. And I also think we're not always great at diagnosing or assessing ourselves. No. I mean, you should have seen the fucking roommate form I filled out when I was going into college. (laughs) It It was the idealization of what I thought I wanted. And I'm very grateful that it brought me two lovely roommates who I'm still very good friends with today. So maybe I guess there was whoever was reading it might have been very intuitive. But Mm. I it was like, how often do you clean? Like always. I love things to be spotless. Like, no, I actually just wanted someone to pick after up after me. Like, I am so fucking messy. (laughs) So aspirational. Aspirational. And like and I think if we're answering it for a company or whatever, like it's who we want to be and there's not necessarily like anything negative about that, but I just think that like it is like not always totally connected to who we are at the moment. Yes. And someone said to me the other day, which I thought was actually a very astute point was that Myers-Briggs, like, you know that it's going to deliver some sort of an extrovert, extro introvert, extrovert, introvert, you know that it's going to deliver some sort of like thinker, intuitive judge or whatever. I, I sound like an asshole because I really don't know them off the top of my head, but you sort of going into it are aware of aware of totally. the fact that it's going to generate an answer so when it asks questions like do you like to be in groups of people and you're somebody who wants to get that e 
like you're going to answer it because you know that it's going to churn out something that's going to reflect that. Um, so you're sort of like, it's a little, it's a little rigged. Totally. <laughs> it's not just aspirational, but I think you can also it's like, like strategic play. Yeah. yeah. You could, you could play with it. Like, and I have received different answers every time I've done it pretty radically different in fact. Totally. And, um, I, I am always a changing person and some of the, you know, sometimes haters will be like, you're telling me that based on my like chart at the time I was born, I'm this way forever. And like, no, I'm, mm-hmm. I never have said that. Never have I ever said that. And I also, you know, I work with progressions a lot of like how the chart evolves and how the planets in the sky um, yeah. shift it. And then even separately from just the movement and the growth of an individual, um, people trigger us in different ways where totally. we get activated in certain environments and other activate in, in environments are going to make us feel really insular and protective and scared and vulnerable or and in, in sometimes in positive ways and sometimes in negative ways but so much of it is the uh our sort of external realities as opposed to just who we are as so uh, we we can't just generate all of the information in a vacuum you know what i mean mm-hmm Totally. It's like we're influenced. Of course. And like it's so even with human design, it's just like there are cycles that we go through. Also, the planets are affecting us every day. There's like this whole language around transits where it's like, yeah, this is your chart. But like based on who you're spending time with, based on what's going on with the planets that day, like it's all going to show up differently. You know, and so it's it's so helpful to sometimes know that where I'm like, oh, my God, I have all the energy. What's actually going on in the sky? So I think that like we're so influenced and all the areas that are white in your design are the areas where you are the most open to kind of being influenced by your environment, your conditions, all the things. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's fascinating. But yes, I think that like, I think those systems can be useful. But I do think that like us answering questions is just not always that reliable. Right. I think that working with somebody who can see you and validate and hear you and sort of bring these things, um, you know, take these concepts and bring them to life is what the magic of working with any practice is, whether it be tarot or human design or astrology or Iching, you know, mm-hmm. it's all about interpretation. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like what makes, you know, how you could practice astrology without any astrology. You know, it's like if, if all you need is, and it's not all you need, like not to be reductive about this concept, but if what one needs is a, is a guidance in the perspective in ways that they can see the world and their opportunities and their potentiality, then we can, we don't have to use this finite language to describe it. We can mm-hmm. use, we want to have a shared language because that makes sense, but it's, it's whatever you make it to be. Mm-hmm. So I dig, I dig that in human design because it kind of is, I, I have a feeling that the creator of it was probably having sort of similar, like, how do we blend all of these things to just mm-hmm. make sort of one super Super's, language? Yeah, exactly. Because they all play a role. And like, I don't know if I mentioned the I Ching, but it plays a huge role. Like they really? All just, yeah. That's like the foundation. And so I think that like, yeah, it's so cool because you can see like everything plays a different role and like has a different piece. So for someone who is interested in getting into human design, how do you uh, encourage them to get started? So, you know, it it can be overwhelming, but that's so not the point. So uh, hopefully that didn't scare any of you. But I think that the most important pieces are your type, your strategy and your authority. And so definitely look up your design. You can see those. And we talked about a lot of them today. 
Um, I have one offering called the Blueprint, which is like I basically hand make a 30 page PDF on your design. So that's like, and we can do a discount for your audience if you want, but that's a great place to get started because it's like, these are the things I need to know about myself and tools to actually practice them. Um, and I do sessions too. The information online is pretty wild. I don't know if that's true with astrology, but like it's all over the place. It's not yeah. always accurate. And so like I have people- That is the case. Yeah. I have people so often come for sessions that are like, I was told I was this or like I'm born, whatever it is. And it's just like, you're just not getting the whole picture. And right. So it it just, needs to be synthesized. Totally. And somebody who can like look at all of it and like, mm-hmm. you know, just like you're like, I'm a manifesting generator. I'm so boring. It's like, oh my God, that's like the first piece. There's so much, like there's so much <laughs> unique to your design. I, and I'm being totally facetious because obviously I know it's not. But I've had people come to me and say that, you know, and then I give them the whole picture. And they're like, oh my God, like that's me, you know? And so I think there's just like, there's so much to it. So yes, I think type strategy authority are the most important, but also just be careful with your resources. And like, you know, there can be such a desire to go into the details, but I would focus on like mastering one piece at a time. You know, like what I love about the blueprint is like, just the thing people keep coming back to two years later, like, okay, I'm ready to like work on this thing, you know, rather than being like, I need to figure this all out at once. Yes. I, I give very similar advice to people who are interested in exploring astrology. I think that now, and, and I'm sure you've seen this as well with, with just how abundant and how pervasive this type of material is. It's like people are frustrated when they haven't mastered it in two weeks. I know. And like, it's just a lifetime. Lifetime. So it's, it's not something that you're just going to understand, um, overnight by any means and in any way shape or form I still meet with my teacher every two weeks and have hour to two hour long sessions um and I've been doing that for seven years so Mm -hmm. it's like there's no there's no end there's no end (laughs) so there's no like and I don't I feel like we work in and we're we live in a culture that very much is results driven um and I am also a results-driven person. So I love results. But in this case, in the case of sort of understanding one of these very complex languages or systems or just even understanding yourself, which because it's a mirror, it's just a lifetime of work. And it can never just be something that is like solved. And that's kind of the magic of it. It's just like It is why it's so magic. It's just like this constant discovery and process and evolution where there's like literally no end. And so... Yes. And same with human design. I imagine with all systems, like it really is a lifelong study. It's like I've been studying it for five years and like I'll be studying it for a long time. You know, it's just like and it's and that's part of the process. And that's what makes it so magical. It's like there are always layers to go deeper. Yes. So where can we find you and and what is and I I definitely would love to be able to offer our listeners a discount on this incredible PDF. But where yeah, where can we find you on the Internet? Where can we find you out in the world? So I'm Erin Claire Jones everywhere. So my Instagram is Erin Claire Jones. My website, ErinClaireJones.com. So most everything should be on there. I'm based in New York, um, but travel often. So um, so you can find me here. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah.